This is Ben Holiday with the Holiday Energy Law Group in San Antonio. Perfect. The levels look outstanding. Thank you for joining the crude level, uh, crude life. Jeez, the crude life levels. That's one of the things. That's I tell I tell the uh, people the podcast. You know, nothing can ever go wrong because you, <laughs> you 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 know you just put it online. You don't have to edit. Just keep going. Just keep going. So that's right. Uh, well, welcome to the program today. Hey, before we get into the event that we're talking about, uh, let's quick plug that before we get into the other thing. But when is the upcoming event, just the bare bones on the event, the name and location and date? You bet. It's the Energy Ship Summit. It's going to be in Scottsdale, Arizona. It's actually a little, little part of Scottsdale called Paradise Valley. It's February 27th to, through the 29th, so right there during the middle of spring training. Great. You know, a lot of people will be excited about NAEP in the beginning of February. This is going to be one that caught my interest at the end of February. You know, anytime somebody like me can get out of the cold up here in North Dakota, up in the Rocky Mountain region, we we look for any excuse we can. So uh, this event caught my eye. But first off, let's talk about your background a bit. Give yourself a little bit of a plug for what you do for a living talk about how you're involved in the energy industry, and then from there we'll transition into the event, okay? Yeah, you bet. So um, I came into the energy industry uh, right after law school. I went to law school here in San Antonio, and this is right in 2000. You know, I graduated in 2006, so things are really starting to kick off, particularly in the Barnett Shale. You know, shale started to become a thing, and you know, I had never, you know, I just never really considered oil and gas and uh, a couple things happened my last year. I, one, I took oil and gas law. And at that point, to be honest with you, if you could have done a net-net swap right off my student debt, I'll give back my law degree. Like, I, I've taken that deal. <laughs> at that point, I just kind of a little disillusioned with it. And, uh, and then I took oil and gas, and just everything changed. I mean, it captured my attention, and I just knew this is what I want to do. And do, uh, excuse me, do, do you not, so you don't have a background really in oil and gas? No, my dad worked for a coal uh, fire generation plant there in East Texas. But, uh, I mean, my exposure to oil and gas growing up, we'd go dove hunting in a field. There'd be some pipes from back in the day, and they just looked like old relics of another era. You know, it was like, like a Mayan ruin or something out there in the middle of East Texas. And I just never gave it much thought. I didn't know anybody in it. And I found out, you know, I just exposure through class. I talked to some people, and I found out about this thing called a landman. And I thought, that sounds like a fake job. What's a landman? That sounds like a fake job. And I, and I heard what they did. And they go out and take leases and do all the things. And I said, no, this is what I want to do. Start talking to professors. Everybody's trying to talk me out of it. And I'm very stubborn. I said, no, I'm, this is what I want to do. And so I graduated law school, went to work for a law firm for, you know, uh, about a year got the opportunity to go in-house with an oil company in Fort Worth, uh, actually natural gas. And I was right there in the middle of, you know, right there in the middle of the Barnett boom. I show up and a week later we closed the deal. They sold the uh, assets of one of the companies. And, you know, here I am 26, 27. I see guys jumping in a swimming pool wearing Lucchese boots. I'm just like, what is going on? This is awesome. (laughs) This is awesome. And, uh, Unfortunately, that was kind of the highlight of the Barnett Shale. So, uh, but it was good. It was good two years in house, and once things started slowing down there, uh, started up a law firm with a couple guys, and uh, it's just been full on legal practice, representing operators, doing transactions and 
title opinions and regulatory. So that's that's my angle of the industry. Do you do you enjoy energy law? Oh my god, I wouldn't do anything else. Yeah, I mean, it, it would I'd seem like it would be really challenging, but yet rewarding and fun at the same time. Oh man, it's a yeah, it's a wild ride for sure. You know, I have friends that do probate, and they always joke, "Well, people aren't going to stop dying," and uh, that's true. You know, it's a very stable market. Oil and gas, as we all know, is got good times and bad times but hey you know i've had i've enjoyed them both you know when i was transitioning from the uh, company in fort worth when they shut down operations at that time it was dead i mean when i say dead i mean gas was horrible oil was i don't know 20 something a barrel and uh you know my wife and i looked around and said what are we going to do this everything's a lateral move we just got married no point in being in fort worth and uh so we liquidated everything we own and we just took our backpacks and just traveled the world for six months, you know. And so we've had some good times with $100 oil. I've had some great times with $20 oil. <laughs> so you got to take, you got to make, uh, you got to make lemonade, right? Well, that's right. And, you know, people tell have told me in the energy industry, you know, you break even during the bad times to make, some good money and have some fun during the good times and i've experienced both the same and uh uh, one of the sponsors of the program josh swanson with vogel law he's an attorney uh he he absolutely loves mineral law he does minerals and Mm -hmm. you know we got a brouhaha happening up in, in north dakota with uh, Lake Sakakawea, which was flooded, it's it's man-made back in the 1960s, and they um, divvied up the the land minerals underneath the water, you know. And oh. so, uh, during hundred dollar oil, the state decided they wanted to claim ownership of that minerals, and the people who own the minerals were like, "Well, no, we'd be getting paid on this for years and years and years." Right. And so, this has been going on in court for 15 years or 10 years now, and um, he's a regular on the program so much to so where he became a sponsor because, um, well, because these these law stories, I tell you, they make some good, they, they they can make a good story. I mean, they're they're a Netflix original sometimes, and all you guys oh, are doing is telling us what's going on in the world of law. So I could see where energy law would be just exciting. It's fascinating. I wouldn't want to do anything else. I mean, I wouldn't. I, I've and I say jokingly, but I'm not joking. I mean, if there were no, if I couldn't do what I do now, I'd, I'd go rent surfboards in Hawaii if my wife had let me. Uh, but it's, yes, yeah, it's just so fascinating that the personalities on every end of the spectrum, the operators, they got to be people that are willing to take big risks. And so with those big risks come big personalities. Then you get to meet the landowners, uh, which I had a lot more exposure to as a landman than I do now, but you know, you get these farmers that have, you know, been in some cases like the Eagleford. You know, they've been working on working the land and scraping by, and then overnight they're millionaires. And so uh, that comes with a whole set of challenges from a personality standpoint. It makes life really interesting. And you could you could write a you could write a book of funny stories that we hear about landowners and trying to track them down. Okay, Pop. Uh, ben Holiday, Holiday Energy. Law Group. We're going to be talking about the Energy Ship Summit coming up February 27th through the 29th, Scottsdale, Arizona, in just a moment. But I wanted to ask you, because whenever I get a landman on now, uh, I, I, I'm asking them for 
a very basic, like you're at a cocktail party, you're at a, a holiday party, you know, whatever the kids soccer game. And, you know, you're talking to somebody about what you do for a living, having small talk. And then you say, well, I'm a landman. And then I, I know if I was in the shoes of the person, the first thing that would come out of my mouth is, well, what's a landman? And right. it's, it is one of the most complex things to try to explain to somebody, but yet it's got to be one of the most simple things, too, to where it's a landman. So do, do you have like a, a quick version or a, a very simplified version of somebody, if somebody asks you what a landman is? Right, yeah. So I'm a reformed landman now. It's a joke I like to tell. But uh, back when I was a landman, I described it as I'm a I'm the general contractor for the oil company. You know, we have our drilling company, we have our uh, midstream company, and there's a lot of things that need to come together and be coordinated to to get a well drilled. And one of the landman's jobs, outside of the intense, you know. I'm going to say intense, but the, there's a large portion of it where you're doing landowner relations. You're getting leases. You're making sure everything's okay on that front. You're helping to make sure all the different parts are, are coordinating with each other, right? So my job is to make sure that the location is being built. I need to make sure all the wells are permitted. I need to make sure all our leases are valid. I need to make sure we have title before the wells get drilled. I need to make sure all that information and any restriction has been communicated to the uh, – to the different uh, actual physical guys, boots on the ground guys that are going out there. And it's much like a general contractor role when you're building a house. You have a bunch of specialists coming together to do plumbing or, you know, you're putting up the roof. And But the, the general contractor is making sure these guys are all doing it in a coordinated fashion, in an efficient fashion. So And and babysitting landowners. <laughs> that's a big part as well. And that's, uh, that's one of the fun parts. And then now in my role as an attorney, uh, you know, what, what we do and what people think of us as doing is helping oil companies figure out who owns the rocks, who owns the oil, do they have it all leased, are they good to go? But what we really do is we create value for the company by making sure that they can focus on all the myriad tasks I just described without having to worry about title risk. And that's the main thing we solve for right now. So uh, we help people get wells drilled today with the least amount of risk possible. What type of law do you practice? I mean, I, I, I know energy law, but like I said, Josh Swanson from, you know, Volga Law, he basically just does minerals. He doesn't, he doesn't really right. do much else outside. He does other things, but in the world of energy, it seems that minerals are what, you know, passes his time. Is there a, spe- a specific uh, niche or part of the law within energy you do, or is it just general? Absolutely, yeah. No, there's a niche. Uh, we are focused heavily on the advising portion. So we don't litigate. I don't go to court. Wouldn't know where to find the courtroom. Wouldn't know. I mean, I have to call somebody to figure out a policy. What we do is we work with companies, exploration companies that are going to go drill wells, and they say, hey, we want to drill this well on March 1st. We will review the title from the time it was granted from a sovereign right in texas where i am that could be could be mexico it could be the united states it could be the state of texas and we look at title all the way forward to today to make sure that they have secured all the leasehold rights at the primary and then if there's a problem you know grandma betty died 12 years ago and she didn't have a will and there's five kids all of a sudden signing leases we help them 
uh, cure those gaps in title to make sure that they, they have the rights to operate before they, they get on the property so they're not committing mineral trespass or they're not unintentionally bringing in uh, working interest partners into a deal that they shouldn't. And uh, so there's a lot of different risk factors that we help them mitigate that way. Ben Holiday with Holiday Energy Law Group. Hang on the line for just a second. We're going to take a quick pause because even though it is a podcast, I still have to mention a sponsor or two. So uh, hang on the line and we'll be back in, I suppose, about 15 or 30 seconds. All right, welcome back to The Crude Life. Ben Holiday, Holiday Energy Law Group is our guest. Energy Ship Summit happened February 27th through the 29th. Is Oh, look at that, leap year this year. And, well, that means we're having Olympics and a presidential election, too. Uh, Scottsdale, Arizona, let's see, 27th through the 29th, Energy Ship Summit. Ben Holiday, thank you once again for hanging on and joining us. So let's talk a little bit about uh, this upcoming summit. Is it all about law, or is it going to go into other areas? Or talk to me about your affiliation and then transition into the um, actual event itself. Absolutely. That's a great question. Uh, it has very little to do with the law in a direct sense and has absolutely nothing to do with my law firm. Um, the focus of the summit is on the exponential change that we're seeing in oil and gas. And we're asking the question, what's coming over the horizon? Like, what is out there that's just over the horizon? Because the application of data, AI, machine learning, all these things are coming together in an accelerated, compounding fashion and they're touching every part of the industry. If you are in law, or if you're in engineering, or you're in finance, your job and the way you do it, and what's possible five years from now is gonna be very different than the, the playing field today. And from my perspective, as a leader of my organization, uh, I just don't see these conversations happening like they should, where people are preparing for what's coming. And, you know, there's, there's I, I think all leaders, in the industry have two choices. You can seize these opportunities that the exponential application of data and all these things are going to present, or you can watch your competition do it. And if you're not thinking about these things now, if you're not thinking about how is the application of artificial intelligence going to change my job, then when it comes, it's too late, right? It's like wanting to buy car insurance after you've had the wreck. Like, it's just not going to happen. It's going to be too late. And so, uh, you know, there's conversations happening at Nate, right, in a, in a happy hour, and then there's conversations happening over here, but there's not a central place where there's this authentic conversation about the future where nobody's trying to sell you something, you know, uh, nobody's trying to pitch their company, and uh, so that's what we are creating. And if we're going to do it, might as well do it somewhere awesome, right? It's February, it's cold in North Dakota, uh, might as well do it in a place where you can step out of your day-to-day, because we had this in Houston, or if we had this in San Antonio, you know, people are going to, you're going to go home, and there's, there's things, the dog needs food, and my kid's sick, and you need, as a leader, to take time to invest in yourself, step away from the day-to-day, get to a place where you can focus and think strategically about these things that are going to impact your business. And Scottsdale is the perfect place to do it. So you got Scottsdale, Arizona. That's check number one. Uh, Check number two, it's during the cold time of year. Okay. So you get the people down there. Here's the million-dollar question, and and this is not to be combative, and this is not to be confrontational. This is to be – I'm looking for the serious answer to this because – the, the industry has 
changed quite a bit. And for a lot of the reasons that you just named and for the reason that you guys are having the summit, the part that I'm trying to figure out is how to get these guys and gals who show up to the conferences to pay attention and really understand that this is a very important time in our industry. And it's, it seems like we're playing a little bit too hard and it is time that we need to work a little bit hard. That doesn't mean we have to totally work hard, but at the same time, I'll give you the example. I was, I, I spoke several conferences last summer and what I was speaking about was the, the rise of environmentalism. We've been tracking it on our program for over five years. And what I said last summer was, um, we had better listen up, folks, because uh, there are two presidential candidates, and now it's more. Back then it was two, Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, that are actively talking about banning fossil fuels. Not straws, not, not trying to figure out a regulation. No, they're actually saying about ba- banning an industry. Uh, the Green New Deal, same thing, 10 years. I go, you know... Th- this is some serious rhetoric here. This is, this is like what I used to consider crazy talk. This is all part of the public discourse now. And a lot of the people were not really paying attention. And, you know, now we've got a half a dozen people that are, you know, Colorado, just they're putting uh, their Proposition 112 back on the ballot to do some, some more strict bans there again. So what I'm getting at is that I, I, I like what you guys are trying to do. I think it's very important, especially the mission you said in terms of, creating uh, an environment where you can have some let's let, let's strap on the, the the boots and and get get our hands dirty because it's time to but my question is how do we get them to to get their hands dirty did did, did that rambling make any sense or did i make yeah. you make you upset <laughs> no 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 absolutely it's a great question and 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 i think you're right and that's right so scottsdale's great it's warm it's beautiful everyone's spouse loves it it's right during the middle of spring trainings, best golf in the world. I mean, that that's all plus factors for having the event in Scottsdale. How you get people to pay attention is you, you have, number one, it's got to be an authentic message. If people think if some of the conferences out there that you can go to, every speaker is there on behalf of their company trying to either sell their company or they're trying to bump their stock price. I mean, I would, you would be, I've sat through a lot of conferences. I've never heard anybody come up, give a presentation and say, you know what? Our rock is not as actually as good as we thought it was going to be. Our internal rate of return is actually less than we forecasted. You know, it's always these, you know, it, it makes it difficult to know, to parse out the truth of that. So the way I have designed this this summit is to look for, you know, who are the biggest people out there doing what they're doing? Who has the most credibility? Who's got the most authenticity? Who's got skins on the wall? And so when you look at, a, you know, data, it doesn't get any bigger than Alan Gilmer. When you look at... Uh, well spacing, like what does how many what does the well spacing environment look like? Schlumberger, and then within Schlumberger, you have the head of North American uh, parent child, uh, excuse me, Intel drilling. You, know, you have people on the leading edge of application of uh, AI. You have uh, the BD manager Will Cullen from Longpoint Minerals, who's they've raised close to nine hundred million dollars in the mineral space, and so I think that's how you get people's attention and within them, one of the reasons why they've been so enthusiastic and willing to come out and talk is I, I, I told them, I was like, this is not your typical conference where you, I want people to come up there and tell how great Schlumberger is, or I want people to tell how great Longpoint is, even though they're great. People are hungry for your opinion, and they want to know what you think, given what you know. 
And so that's the message we're going to get, and that's how you get people to pay attention. What kind of response are you getting on some of the uh, big data, some of the you know cloud based applications that that whole side of things are 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 you finding that uh, people are becoming more accepting now or is there still a little bit of a learning curve yeah i think i mean people are uh, there's the early adopters and uh, people see this exponential wave coming and uh and that that started three four years ago right um i think now People have data and application of data in their life, whether they like it or not. And a lot of people are waking up and realizing, sort of like you boil the, slog, the frog slowly, right? Oh, my God, everything I'm doing is driven by data. Everything I'm doing is, you know, it, this is changing the way I do my work. On the land side, this is how the application data changes things. I bought a drafting desk because we needed big pieces of paper. <laughs> we needed to look and we read instruments. And from the time I bought the drafting desk to the time I actually got it, and started using it, everything changed, and now everything's on computer, and now I can search records in North Dakota from my desk in San Antonio. I no longer, you know, no one has to go out there and do it. And that's just a microcosm. Now they have, uh, there's a bunch of really cool companies working on optical character recognition that's gonna really change just our little niche of the, of the industry. And no longer are we gonna have to sit here and read a thousand instruments to tell you who owns title. We're gonna be able to implement augmented intelligence through OCR, through all these things, and we're going to be able to get to the get to the point much faster. And uh, you know, like it or not, this this train isn't slowing down for anybody. And uh, and uh, I think people are really starting to realize that, especially in times like this where the price is low and everyone's seeking competitive advantage. You know, you can't just drill your way out of a problem. You have to both drill good rock and be efficient. And this application of data, people are realizing this creates real competitive advantage. And if I understand it and you don't, I now have an advantage over you. And I think when you go to Scottsdale and you hear these world-class thought leaders, that's the sort of advantage we're creating for people. And then the second part of it, we've brought in a couple speakers on leadership. Say, okay, great, you got all this information. Now what do you do with it, right? If I have all the information in the world but I don't know how to deploy it with my team, it's not worth anything. And so we're bringing in Warren Rustan, who's a vice president. He's worked in White Houses. I mean, this guy's done everything. He's going to tie that all together for us. And then... Equally important, right? Everything's changing. You talked about all the, the governmental the government, government wants in the game from an environmental standpoint, and then you got to also make sure if you're in an exponential environment, what you're doing is so far ahead of what the government can regulate that you got to make sure you're not doing things you're not supposed to intentionally or unintentionally. And uh, I was able to get Andrew Fastow on the phone. I said, hey, you know, I've heard some of your ethics talks, and I know that you've Got you played a big role in development of ethics uh, uh, over the past few years in legality, and uh, and he's going to come give a talk about the difference between following the rules and following the the ethics, right? And he, his uh, his message is we did a lot of things that people thought were by the rule, and it turns out we weren't following ethics, and we destroyed so much shareholder value. We destroyed our families, we destroyed our communities, and like he's on a mission to help leaders not repeat these same things. Because he said, I keep seeing it and, it, and it just it's unnecessary. And so we're bringing him out to talk about the ethics of this exponential environment. So, um, yeah, if, you, if, uh, if those guys don't grab your attention, you know, I don't know what will. Ben Holiday, Holiday 
Energy Law Group. We're talking about the Energy Ship Summit, February 27th through the 29th, Scottsdale, Arizona. I mentioned earlier, you know, I caught my eye. It was leap year, 29th. And as I was a kid, I just always remembered every you know, leap year is the Olympics and the presidential election. And so I, I, that stuck with me. Uh, you've mentioned government regulations a few times. Uh, I'll, I'll ask you qu- uh, the same question I'm asking a lot of other people in the energy industry. Uh, we, we're, we're not a big political program. Uh, however, just because of the way the environmental movement has gone and a few things of energy, we've been forced to become somewhat politically more, more politically minded than we wanted to. And, and energy has just become uh, polarized. I, I've got on record and, and I've said, um, and I, I've won awards for my news skills and things like that, but uh, I've, I've got on record and said 2020 is going to be the oil and gas industry's most important year probably in its history. And I, I, I think that for a lot of reasons, but um, talk to me about your thoughts on my comment there. Do you think that's out of line? Do you agree with that? Do you want to elaborate on, on yes or no on that? Because it's kind of a pretty bold statement. It is a bold statement, and I think it's a valid statement. I mean, we don't have to guess about what are the intentions of the parties, right? We know where the Republican Party stands. We know where the Democrat Party stands. And now I know there's a whole lot of other stances out there, but practically speaking, for the presidential election, those are the two we need to be paying attention to. And I think that you can look at sort of two to three states and see how this plays out, right? You can take... Let's just say California and Colorado, and you have in in California you got the you know, Bakersfield. You have that Kern, Kern County, that traditional base of production. L.A. It's been there forever. It's you know producing oil. You got Colorado, traditional energy state, and you see the kind of value destruction that's being brought on by government by regulation. It's really intended to regulate them out of business. That's that's what's going on, and. You have a lot of really important opinions out there that are saying now Colorado is basically an uninvestable place for energy. No rational investor is going to put their money there for the long term because we know what the stance of government is going to be. You juxtapose those with what you have going on in Texas. So our regulatory stance in Texas is very pro-operator. It's also very pro-mineral owner. They strike a great balance. They work really hard to get it right for both sides. And the Texas energy industry, you know, I know we've had some struggles as of late, as everybody has, but it is, it's paying for schools, it's paying for roads, it is, it is taking off and government and industry work together to come to a good solution versus butting heads. And so I think if you say, you look at the two sides, you have one side saying, we're basically gonna take this California, Colorado model. And you have one side saying, we're gonna take the Texas model. And I think if you're in the industry, you know, which one do you want? And so, and I do think it's a very pivotal year. I mean, for many, many things, but uh, especially as this narrative, this anti-energy or anti-oil and gas, anti-fossil fuel, anti-narrative is becoming, you know, taking hold, it's going to be up to us to be advocates for our position, right? If, we, if we're not doing it, no, I mean, nobody's going to stick up for us if we don't, right? If we're not going to demonstrate this is how we're putting money in schools, this is how we're putting jobs uh, up for people. This is how we're powering the future. Hey, hey, by the way, everything you use is made of hydrocarbons. <laughs> you know, uh, and having that and telling our story in a non-combative way, I think that's up to us. And if we don't, 
we have to take ownership of that failure. And that's really the message I was trying to give last summer was, you know, through the last seven years, I've had, I've had some pretty high level CEOs on this program and they've used the word paradigm shift. And these guys don't use that word to be, to exaggerate. I mean, these guys, these guys get sued if they exaggerate. So they actually on on underrate, if that's even a word. So, you know, when I started paying attention to that a little bit, but they would give examples. They'd say the horizontal fracturing or the horizontal drilling with the hydraulic fracturing, the combination cracked the code. And that was a paradigm shift that changed, you know, the, the, the workers at the well site. And then we have the integration come in of this big data and we've got sensors and remote drilling. And, you know, they were serious when they said paradigm shift, they were serious. And from somebody from the media I completely understood the internet was a paradigm shift. When you look at newspapers that had monopolies in towns for a hundred years, and then the new and then the internet comes around, and ten years later they're declaring bankruptcy. That's a paradigm shift. That is a paradigm shift. I mean, that's something that wipes out or enhances your industry to a new level, and that's what's going on in the oil and gas industry. But then I, I, I took a look and said, let's take that paradigm shift even further. Okay, big data has totally changed the human resources department. You talk to anybody who works in accounting or um, accounts receivables and, and traffic and logistics, big data has revolutionized that. Okay, let's go out to landmen and let's go out to people in the field. LIDAR and, and drones, and absolutely that's paradigm shift changed everything. So why not public relations? Why not take a look at the way the energy industry has really approached public relations and engaging and interacting with people? Because to me, that's the one part that they haven't changed at all. And so I say that to you as a, as a conference person because I was giving that message at conferences last summer. And part of the thing I was saying is that when I look around, 90% of you people I see it at all the same conferences. So we've got to figure out ways to engage. So it's it's another challenge to you, I guess, to say, hopefully this interview will get more people that have not been at your uh, event in the past. Do you know what I mean by that? Where, where we need to get more people involved that have traditionally not been involved. And I, I think a platform like yours is very um, uh, open to that. I mean, if people can come and just kind of, kind of um, have new topics. I mean, you start talking about some of the topics that you guys have. These are new topics to the industry. Some of these are. Right. These are these are kind of, you know, um, there is no easy answer. <laughs> so. right. Yeah, I mean, and that's, that you, 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 again, you nailed it, right? There's a paradigm shift. And for every old line business that tried to do things the same way that went bankrupt, you got an Amazon. And so leaders right now got to ask themselves in the oil and gas industry, and aside from how am I going to represent myself to the community, you know, where am I taking my organization? Am I taking it the way of uh, the local bank, or am I taking it the way of Amazon? And what we're going to do in Scottsdale is bring together thought leaders to help all the attendees, all the leaders there, take their business in the direction of Amazon as opposed to uh, – as opposed to some of the, you know, being the best uh, horse-drawn carriage out there in the, in the era of the, of the combustion engine. Well, I, I think we're in an era of change right now. And, you know, I don't know if I want to say downturn or anything along those lines because, you know, you take like the Bakken and the Permian and they're still pumping out millions of barrels a day. Um, the, the energy companies have gotten a little more streamlined. 
and there's a little bit more of a decline curve than what's happened in the past. And and rig counts are just an antiquated way to to project business now. And everybody knows that rig counts need to be reinvented. How how that is done. But the one thing that's true and true is they are still drilling and there is still a lot of money on this planet and you just got to figure out a way to make a better steak sandwich than the other guy you know it's kind of like that time where there's still business out there to be had but it's 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 a little there's a little bit of competition out there right now and you've just got to figure out a way to have an edge and make that better steak sandwich and 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 all that and these conferences really can help a guy do that absolutely on both sides right if i'm raising money my value proposition has to be stronger than the 18 other guys trying to get trying to raise this same fund and the way i'm going to do that is harnessing these paradigm shifting uh, capabilities that are out there on the other side if i'm an investor i'm an, a private equity guy a finance guy i need to know what is out there what should i be investing in when these teams come in my office and we sit in the conference room and they pitch me what should I be looking for? Like, what is what is out there? And uh, again, that's the that's the why of the Energy Ship Summit. That's why everybody needs to come to Scottsdale because that's what we're talking about. So wrapping up here, we try to stick them around thirty minutes our programs. But look at that, we went into overtime. Another thing about podcasts, you don't have to be beholden to uh, right. ra ra radio clocks and and show clocks and things like that. So that's another fun thing about. I'm learning about these podcast rules. Uh, which there really are none. Uh, so what's, uh, give us the details one more time, just kind of in summary, if you, I like to summarize, that's, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm still a writer. That's why I originally got into this gig. So uh, uh, just kind of summarize the uh, event. We were talking with Ben Holiday, Holiday Energy Law Group, but the Energy Ship Summit coming up with, go ahead. Yep, Energy Ship Summit, February 27th, 29th. We're going to be in Scottsdale, Arizona at the Mountain Shadows uh, Hotel there in Paradise Valley. All the details are on energyshipsummit.com, but we're going to be meeting for two days for a conversation with the likes of Alan Gilmer. We have Slumberjay. We have the support of QRI group. Uh, we're going to have David Ramsden Wood, and we're just going to be talking about data and markets and engineering and leadership. We're going to have Andy Fastow talk about ethics, and we're going to just take a big holistic look at all this exponential changes that's happening and saying, where's this opportunity and how can I uh, execute on it? And I'd love to see everybody out there. Do you guys have a website? We do, yeah, energyshipsummit.com. 